everyone, welcome. Uh, my name is Annabelle Lacroix, I'm Public Programs Curator, and it's a great pleasure to see you tonight, and welcome to ACA tonight for the Future Forum. I would like to acknowledge the traditional honours on the land on which we meet, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. In conjunction with this exhibition, Great, Greater Together, which focuses on collaboration in contemporary art practice, Future Forum invites experts to assess ideas of collaboration, cooperation, and collectivity. We also invite you, our audience, to, tonight's, to respond to tonight's talk, and there will be an opportunity to have a conversation and ask questions at the end. Tonight's speaker, Katrina Cedric, director of ACME, the Australian Centre for the Moving Image, will discuss work and the future of workplaces for humans and non-humans with the origin of ACME X, a co-working space for creative enterprises. Tonight, we will address the questions, does skills sharing work? Why bring a co-working space into a museum? How will technology impact on future jobs? Why might future workplaces look like and what are the challenges? Katrina will draw on her extensive experience at ACME, but also as a founder and former festival director and CEO of the Adelaide Film Festival. Please join me in welcoming Katrina. Thank you very much. Um, so we have an intimate crowd tonight. Uh, thank you to the wonderful weather which I'm about to fly out in, which is making me feel a little bit nervous. So please cosy up if you can. Um, so I'm here to talk about um, future workplaces and I'm doing it from a very personal perspective, um, as in what it means to me. And that has fed in very specifically into why I've created Acme X. Um, so, we are in this world right now where we're talking a lot about the knowledge economy. Uh, the knowledge economy equals, of course, great ideas. How do you make great ideas? How do you create a workplace where you can genuinely, very quickly and very energetically uh, generate good ideas, develop them and deliver them? My screen has gone blank. Okay. So, there's a whole series of words that relate to the knowledge economy. Um, they're somewhat irritating in the way that they've been <laughs> used so much. Um, collaborative, uh, conversational and enabling connection are all things that I think we all love. Being responsive, being iterative, being nimble are all very kind of startup tech words. Um, working in a multidisciplinary way. These are all things that are meant to represent a kind of future collaborative workplace. As I say, they've been colonised by the digital and tech sectors, but so many artists have always created their work in this way. Um, and uh, really that's what this exhibition is all about. Um, it's a fundamental part of creative practice and particularly ensemble uh, work practice. Uh, you have to be collaborative, you have to be iterative, you have to have an ensemble approach to the creation of new work. So about me, um, just to start, um, now I'm just wondering if I can do this, Eric, is there a way for me to flip out of my slide that's filling all my screen and see my notes underneath? 
since we're so intimate. Are you able to come and give me a hand for a sec? If I go escape, do you still see the whole screen? Or how do I get to share the double thing? You're not sure? Is anyone here good at keynote when we talk about collaborating? What did you want? <laughs> uh, what I want to do is see my notes and be able to see the screen at the same time. It's all right, I'm going to riff. Okay, I'm not, sorry. That's fine, no problem. Sorry to put you on the spot. Here we go. Okay, about me. So, um, I have come from an experimental theatre background. I was an actor for the first dec decade of my career and one of the um, main um, organisations I worked with was a hybrid theatre company. So it was a company that had a range of different um, art forms engaged simultaneously. There was a choreographer, an illusionist, a couple of composers, a visual artist and a couple of performers, of which I was one. It was a company called Etc. And we created work uh, on a project basis, uh, very kind of nimbly and quickly and collaboratively and highly resourcefully. Um, very quickly bringing together ideas, synthesising them and then turning them into a product which we took out to the marketplace, if you like, talking in tech terms. Um, I then moved out of that in my mid-twenties into festivals um, and in particular multi-arts festivals uh, in Adelaide. Uh, I worked across almost all of them and uh, festivals again are very uh, ensemble based, they're intensely collaborative. They tend to be project based in the sense that you work with a small tight core team, you expand out as required to resource the particular output that you're doing, Festival 2017, suddenly into a staff of 80 or 100, and then you shrink back down again. So you're able to kind of source people and skill up as required uh, in order to take your kind of core funding and leverage as, as much as possible. You're making partnerships as wherever you can, you're levering other people's kind of creative ideas. All of those words around nimble, collaboration, iterative, all of those kind of um, words that Turnbull loves to uh, spin out regularly are inherent in festivals. Um, I've been working in multi-art form, uh, form festivals uh, for about seven or eight years when I became the founder of the Adelaide Film Festival. Uh, a film festival is, again, a very similar model to an arts festival. But uh, two years into the creation of that festival, we were given a commissioning fund. I've been involved in the making of all sorts of different art-based um, projects. Film, to me, is part of the arts, uh, in part, um, but it very much separates itself as a different kind of industri industrial practice. Uh, I was really struck in the process of commissioning new work, so we were given a million dollars every two years uh, to invest in what initially was going to be two narrative feature films per year. We expanded that very broadly, very quickly, and invested it right across multiple kinds of, of film-based work. But I was really struck at how linear the funding structures were and the development processes were for the creation of new work in the film and screen sector, so film and television. There are obviously exceptions to this, but if you are going for funding through a state agency or through a federal agency to get the core money to make that work, you go into this very linear journey 
The producer produces, they don't get paid as they get money to get the writer to write, who then delivers the written product for the director to direct, and suddenly it splashes out into an ensemble-based collaborative process that is inherently also extremely hierarchical. Um, I found that quite strange, coming from an ensemble-based, much more um, iterative process. And so we created something called the Hive Lab and uh, the Production Fund. And I'm mentioning this today because not only, so what it was, uh, the Hive Lab was about bringing people who were open-minded thinkers and creators in the world of film and television and animation, uh, together with leading artists across other art forms. And in a laboratory environment, for three or four days, you would bring them together to talk about the process of making work. What could people learn from each other, from the very kind of linear disciplines of film and television, and also often the very kind of commercial, um, uh, time-based kind of structures and very audience-facing structures that you have to have within that film and television environment? What does that mean? or what can you learn from in other art forms? And from those other art forms where you're working either as an individual artist creating your work, in this very uncompromising, very singularly focused way, or when you're working in an ensemble-based environment that is intensely collaborative as you're making new work, what are the lessons each of those practitioners can learn from each other? And then we created a fund where you could go and apply and create a screen-based work. What I found super interesting about that was that pushing people together and creating a genuine uh, conversation and proximity between practitioners from different fields created very surprising conversations and conversations that had never been had before. And a very specific example of this is Gary Stewart, who's been the director of Australian Dance Theatre now for about uh, 15 years, had shared a house with me in Adelaide. Lynette Walworth, who was a, a new media artist, uh, created all sorts of really interesting um, work that often has a technology basis, as Gary's work does as well, also had come through my house and shared my house. They had been living in the same house for brief periods together. They had been friends and colleagues for quite some time. Until they were in the lab together in a facilitated process, they had never talked about how they make work, even though there were so many parallels, even though there were so many points of engagement. So, Proximity in a casual way, in a friendly way, in a social way, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to work or that you're going to share experience, share ideas, inspire each other in the way that you create your work. And I was incredibly struck by that uh, with the Hive Lab. And, and I would say too, this, this idea of bringing in artists who have never worked in film and television before and resourcing them to do so and matchmaking them to artists in other forms has been enormously successful. Fantastic work has come out of this, this process. Girl Asleep, which Rose Myers made with Windmill, beautiful film. Um, Gideon O'Barsnek and Matt Bate, filmmaker, brilliant uh, choreographer, director, creating a hybrid doc drama. Um, Stephen Page, making Spear, adapting a dance work into a feature film. There's, there's quite a number of examples. Enabling this proximity, enabling people to kind of have different kind of conversations and to flip out of their comfort zone is super, super important. Uh, so, these are all the reasons why, sorry, now we go back. 
These are all the reasons why we set up the Hive. It's about illuminating different ways of working. It's about sharing creative process. It's about opening doors for leading artists to create work on new canvases or platforms. And really importantly, about cross-disciplinary collaboration. And again, that's at the heart of, I think, the future workplace. This is about people having specialisation, but collaborating with people who think differently in an organic and uh, nimble and responsive way to create new work. So then I went to ABC Television, um, and it was a bit of a shock, I must say. Coming from something that was a very small art-based organisation, where you were able to work with a tiny team and in your daily workplace everything was about being resourceful, nimble, blah, 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 going into a massive bureaucracy. And not only a massive bureaucracy, but one that was trying desperately and it's still going to reinvent itself. So you have a very traditional media organisation, it makes television, it makes radio, it's now making digital content. How do you take these thousands and thousands of employees, how do you change the way that they practice their work each day to become one that is uh, an organisation that is nimble, that is interdisciplinary, that is genuinely cross-platform, that is leveraging all of the opportunities around content and also leveraging all the opportunities about audience because audience is changing so much. Um, I found it an absolutely fascinating um, experience. Um, one of the things I found quite profound was how siloed uh, the organisation was. Um, siloed not only in terms of the, the different platforms, television versus radio versus innovation versus new media versus commercial versus international, they just did not talk. Um, uh, but also even within your own department. So I was heading up arts in ABC television. As you can imagine, we were at the bottom of the pile, <laughs> the bottom of the hierarchy there. The, the opportunity to kind of collaborate and de-silo even within television was really, really complex. Um, and I found it uh, a fascinating exercise. I was only there for just under three years. I was planning to stay there longer. I enjoyed it. Um, but I got the job at ACME. Um, but I found it um, fascinating the way that the organisation was still stuck in this very focused one platform thinking. Uh, it's, the, it's the challenge that is facing all traditional institutions now. They have to reinvent, they have to get out of those siloed mentality, they have to think about audiences differently, and it's hard. And one of the hardest things is about changing internal culture and internal ways of working. Um, fortunately, there are some fantastic tools reinventing itself in the digital age. So, then I found myself at ACME. Um, I arrived two and a half years ago. For those of you who aren't aware, and we're talking about ourselves in slightly different terms to how we did before, we're the National Museum of Film, Television, Games, Digital Culture and Art. And we're calling ourselves a museum in a very kind of conscious way, in a very uh, 21st century model of what a museum can be. But we have a collection, we have a permanent exhibition, we have cinemas that run programs all year round, we have two temporary galleries. Um, we were set up in 2002. Uh, we're now only 15 years old, so we're young, but we were very much established in that kind of traditional museum model. Uh, with traditional institutional structures and systems. 
Uh, we have a lot of visitation, 1.45 million visitors uh, last year. As I said, cinemas, they're gorgeous. We have beautiful temporary galleries. We commission great work. We tour exhibitions. This is our Game Master show that's just opened in the States. DreamWorks Animation, it's just uh, closed in Mexico, about to go to Canada. We have a really rich education program. We have about 70,000 kids come through each year. Come on, presentation. Oh, and we have an exquisite collection. Um, it's the State of Victoria's collection, the State Film Centre collection. There's about 160,000 objects in it. It's gorgeous. Uh, and this permanent exhibition, Screen Worlds. So um, this is what I arrived to, working extremely well, but, sorry, my um, presentation has gone nuts. Okay. In 2009, when our Screen Worlds exhibition was opened, uh, we ran out of room. So uh, we gave over a whole lot more of our space from what had previously been office space, we turned it into exhibition space. So the permanent exhibition and the media tech where you access our collection was previously where people sat and worked at computers. Um, what happened after that was that we had 80 staff working off-site and there were a couple of different um, places but when I arrived, um, 80 people were working, including me, in a laneway up um, off Flinders Street, across three floors. You had to use a security pass and go into an external staircase to talk to anybody. Each floor had its own tiny little kitchen, so there was no kind of social space, no gathering space, nowhere to have kind of spontaneous conversations and those sort of threshold conversations that are so important uh, to working. And I, meanwhile, arrived into this absolutely palatial office that was embarrassing in its kind of grandeur. Um, I just looked at this whole space and thought, this is so wrong. We are a siloed organisation. How can we address this? And fortunately for me, the lease was up. So we thought about how can we move into a new physical space that is more uh, creative and more collaborative. And we have created a space called Acme X. So Acmex is the first co-working space that's been established by a museum in Australia. And I have to say, there's only a very short time that I'm going to be able to say that. And I said to my board uh, in May 2015, when we had the idea, we have to do this right now, because everybody is going to be doing this. This is something that is the future for museums. Um, as you can see, it's a, it's a really beautiful space. It's a 2,000 square metre uh, footprint um, that was designed by Six Degrees Architects. It houses 80 ACME staff, uh, 10 National Film and Sound Archive staff, so we've got their Melbourne office, and importantly too, they're key partners with us, and importantly too, it has desks for 60 co-workers. Those uh, co-workers who come in are curated in the sense that they apply to come in and they are, have some engagement with screen and creative tech. Um, so we have 
the Royal or RMIT, who have taken six desks, and University of Melbourne, who have both taken six desks. We have virtual reality producers, digital, edu um, digital educators, hybrid theatre companies, so AFIDS and Field Theory, uh, both in our uh, space, sharing a desk. Uh, we have YouTube channel aggregators, we have script writers, we have app developers. Uh, it's a very varied, multidisciplinary space. We have a beautiful uh, kitchen. Uh, so instead of these three pokey little kitchens that we had as a workspace before, instead now we have a big space. If every desk was sat in at the moment, there would be 150 people. We're about to put in another 12 desks, so 162 people in the workspace. So the kitchen is fitted out to um, support that. Lots of nice toasty machines, ovens, microwaves, a very good coffee machine, fridges. Um, but it's a, a very social space and I love it going in there to heat up my lunch and there'll be 20 people all wandering around the bench together and you're all just chatting and talking and sharing that uh, connected space. Uh, this is an image of the space being used as an event space. Uh, we work with all sorts of partners. We run an industry program for our tenants uh, and for our own staff, uh, which is um, full of expert speakers talking about the work that they're making, our own staff talking about the work that we're making, residents talking about the work that they're making, and bringing in uh, experts around business development skills, people who are good at governance, rights, legal, contracting, those kind of basic business tools that, that people need. It works fantastically well. Um, we've got experimenters, um, monthly talks program coming in there. So these 60 desks, uh, it's situated within ACME's offices and we share our resources. So we have a reception desk, they have a reception desk, they get a postal address. We have five meeting rooms on site and we all share them. We have fantastic high-speed Wi-Fi working with Arnet. Um, people pay 600 bucks per month for a desk. They come in for a month, um, but actually they can stay as long as they want. So most of our residents at the moment are long-term residents. Uh, as I said, we run this industry program all year round. We've also been funded through Launch Vic to set up a creative tech lab. So for two months over the next two years, we'll be inviting in <coughs> applications for four teams developing creative tech to come in and be sort of fast-tracked and mentored through to a showcase moment in ACME. And of course, we've got our social space, which people are able to access for free and use to um, present what they want to present. It's all about creating proximity. And I have to say, it really works. It's not easy. It is hard to make proximity actually work. You have to facilitate it. You can't expect that just because you're all there, you're going to work together. It's not how it works. We're now about 15 months into the space, and I would say it's only about in the last three or four months that it's gelled, that it actually feels like it has a genuine vibe. Um, but we've now, quite organically, without setting it out as a sort of KPI, ACME has collaborated with every single resident that works there um, in various ways, but it's enabled all of them to showcase and leverage what they do. In some cases, we're actually actively collaborating with them. They're creating work for us, for our exhibitions. They're presenting work. They're showcasing it in ACME. Uh, they're leveraging the access we have to the audience. 
A specific example of this is a project we just did called Ghost Toasts and Things Unsaid. It's a VR work that we did with uh, Sandpit, who are our resident company. They're an app and sort of digital development company. Um, they've just done another project with Arts Centre Melbourne called LAMP that people might have come across. It's beautiful if you haven't already seen it. Um, they have a theatre background uh, and film background. It's evolved into this sort of um, digital intervention space. They created a theatre work uh, with Google Creative and Grumpy Sailor for the Adelaide Fringe before last. You walked into a small room, two at a time, wearing a shroud, as you see here. Uh, and in that shroud was hidden some gear that enabled you, you could look and hear organically, normally, five actors performing around you. And what you realised after a little while was these five actors were one couple over three periods of time through their relationship. Um, so newly married, in their 40s, and a widow. And you hear them kind of play out this narrative, but as you wear your shroud, the tech embedded in it means that if you look at a particular actor, they, you can hear their internal thoughts, what's not being said. Um, and it's a really beautiful way to kind of, because it depends on who you choose to look at, to the information that you discover. Uh, we turned that into a virtual reality experience. So they'd filmed at 360, and when you turn up to this space, you either choose the male voice or the female voice. You go into your various space, you put on your VR, and your VR provides the same function. You can see and hear all of the act action that is going on around you, but when you look at the particular actor, you hear their internal monologue. It's a, it's a really nice experience. Um, that came up very organically through conversations in the space, and we enabled that to happen. So for ACME, the reason we're doing it is um, multiple. Um, we're leveraging our resources. So we are a well-funded big institution. We're leveraging our resources back into the sector. Really importantly for us, we're building communities of ownership. So we need the makers, people who are creating work, to care about us. And we're not a usual kind of institution. Uh, you know, we're about the moving image. What does that even mean? So how do we build that sense of ownership? And by having those people working in our environment every day and inviting them in, it's a daily conversation. It enables in-museum collaborations. It also connects our staff to the creative industries daily. And I'm about to talk about our staff a little bit more when we talk about future workplaces. And it's also about creating a revenue stream. So one of the things about um, working in an institution is you get very much in your own bubble. How do you get pushed outside that? How do you become challenged? How do you become nimble and responsive? Um, the other thing I would say is that uh, our space is about providing a platform for Victorian innovation, enabling proximity for cross-disciplinary collaboration, as we've discussed before. It's also about illuminating process. Beta testing is super important. And for us too, it's building our brand and collaborating and commissioning. Flipping back to the transformative uh, challenge that all of us are facing around the workplace now, and that's in the context of a, a large traditional institution, but I would say it's in the context of most companies, and indeed it's an exciting opportunity for any organisation. 
is that digital has to be at the heart of our organisation. And, and when we say digital, it's not about social media, it's not about marketing, it's about how do we harness these incredible tools that are available to us to work in better ways and communicate and engage in better ways. So um, I'm coming to the end of my presentation, but one of the radical things that I did when I started was uh, set up a whole new department, um, and it's our audience and engagement department. Uh, we've recruited someone called Seb Chan, and we've created a role for him called Chief Experience Officer. Uh, it's the first title like that, I think, in the world in terms of in a museum environment. It's quite common in a kind of tech environment. But Seb's particular interest is around how do you harness these digital tools? And it's no accident his background is, he's an electronic musician. And of course, in the sort of uh, 90s, uh, musicians were the ones who were really getting into the kind of the gear, the digital gear, and adapting it and warping it and changing it and transforming the way that they created their art form. And that kind of attitude has fed out to Seb's approach to museums and what digital tools can do to transform not only the way that we engage with our audiences and the experiences that we create for our audiences, but how we work together. So, sorry, it's our experience in digital department. We've now got Seb with two other staff working for him and they are completely charged with leveraging digital tools and UX design in our organisation and the changes that we've been able to make in terms of the way that our workplace um, is uh, operating now and in the future has been profound. It's a big investment for us but, but one that has been fantastic. Um, so he's bringing in tools which many of you, well you might be familiar with, I wasn't before. Um, these are just ways that, that you can work um, a little more nimbly and responsively together. Uh, and these are tools that are incredibly well known in the kind of tech startup sector, it's all through Silicon Valley, uh, but are fantastic ways to, to do your business and indeed I would say will be tools that will be adop adopted increasingly by the arts community to make the kind of work that we already do on paper and with gaffer tape and, and so on, but are, are tools that enable this kind of collaborative uh, work particularly across distance and across multiple sites. Um, Slack is a really fantastic alternative tool to email. Um, I'm still not using it enough. I'm still trapped in the email paradigm. But um, it, Slack is fantastic in that it enables you to sort of set up really active conversations that are very kind of targeted and also enable you to have that more kind of casual sort of spam, I've got a great idea, I'm going to slam it down, great, everyone can look at it as they, as they choose rather than that email. Uh, focused environment. Trello is another um, tool that has been introduced across our organisation. Today I was really thrilled to hear that Trello has been adopted by the people working in our bio box. So they're the people projecting film in our cinemas. That's a very traditional uh, approach to presenting artworks, uh, but there is a huge communication chain that needs to happen with it that has been a nightmare for us in our workplace. Trello appears to be fixing it across about five different um, pressure points uh, and we're sorted. We're also moving to Office 365. It's not a radical change in the way we work other than everything goes up into the cloud. There's been an anxiety about that but the cloud is here to stay and what it means now is we're going to be able to share the documents and the folders and the networks that 
are very hidden at the moment. We're going to be able to collaborate much more effectively in different spaces together. Another radical thing is around website and being actually truthful and engaged around distributed authorship. A website isn't just about marketing, talking to the audience, it's about the whole organisation talking to the audience. How do we set up, an set up a digital tool that enables people to feed in in an organic daily way to be able to talk to our broader community? Um, we've brought in design sprints. Again, it's something that's new to me, but it's a fantastic way of working that's super fast, super creative, and very outcome-oriented, and for an organisation, it's brilliant. Um, and effectively, what we're doing is using tech startup thinking for a museum model. We're an old-fashioned, I don't know when museums were invented, when was it? In Alexandria and, you know, the library and what? 200 BC or something. <laughs> Again. So, you know, these, these institutions have been around for an incredibly long time. But now is the time that we can really change. And what I think is, I suppose going back to what I was saying at the beginning, I think what I've found very liberating is that the tools that we're talking about and the thinking that we're talking about, A, is inherent in the making of art um, and the way that uh, creative people work together in the creation of, of art. But there are also fantastic tools and fantastic digital devices that we can use to embed in our workplaces to create um, a, a much smoother flow of, um, of creation. Uh, and particularly as an organisation gets bigger and bigger and more ambitious, becomes, this becomes more and more effective. So change is hard, but we have to change and working well together is the future. And um, that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Katrina, for this really insightful presentation. Um, it was really interesting um, to hear about how collaboration can open the museum and how that fits back into the community and how the community fits back into the museum. Um, we have some time for questions, if, if anyone would like to ask anything. Thank you very much for a very insightful um, presentation. I've just got one question, actually, just in terms of coming into this event tonight and you're speaking about the collaborative approach that ACME's taking. What sort of strategies or plans have you got in terms of uh, collaborating with the arts precinct and other arts institutions to actually come on, on board as co-workers on some projects? Um, look, we are constantly collaborating with different, different organisations, um, probably more around specific events than ongoing. Um, we, you know, I mean, Asia Toba keeps getting trotted out as a really fantastic collaboration and we do that with festivals it tend to be the easy way for us to do that. Collaborating across the bigger institutions is quite hard in terms of you know creating something that is genuinely collaborative across all of those institutions or even across four or five in an ongoing way. I have to say we've been set that challenge and we're actually grappling with that at the moment to think about what are the ways that these institutions that traditionally, I have to say in Melbourne, are not seen as competitive, 
um, in the way that in Sydney it's fiercely competitive. Um, but but we are competitors in in one sense. H how do you how do you um, come together and find ways to um, Im improve the the audience experience and leverage what you're all generating in in genuine ways? Um, and and we are grappling with that outside specific projects. I think there's I think there's all sorts of opportunities um, to think about the visitor experience and to think about sort of the, the broader ecology of Melbourne. Um, so the thinking that we brought in with Acme X, where as a cultural institution we're making a commitment to um, engaging with our particular sector um, in, a, in a kind of cross-disciplinary way, how can that, and, and I would say to the library is in that space at the moment with their big redevelopment, they're looking at kind of co-working space and how they bring different ideas um, in there. I think the museum is going through a big transformation at the moment with their new director. Um, at Arts Centre Melbourne, there's a big transformation in terms of their collaborative models. So I, I think there will be, uh, potentially in the next couple of years, some kind of shifts around how those kind of larger institutions engage. Um, how we engage more broadly, again, I think at the moment is fairly project specific um, and often will come down to co-commissions, co-projects, um, you know, a joint exhibition across multiple sites which I think is fantastic and super important. How that plays out more broadly, I think we've got to keep exploring. Thanks, Katrina. Um, internationally, there are a number of institutions um, that have set up sort of experimental type lab spaces, mm -hmm. which seems to be a new development for mm -hmm. particularly big institutions. And mm -hmm. you probably know a new museum in New York mm -hmm. and the Tate in London. Mm -hmm. Have you looked at any of those models mm -hmm. and looked at how that might, I guess, impact on the sort of interests that you have? Yes, so um, New Inc was a big inspiration for us and actually Julia Kagansky, who is the sort of founding director of that space, came out. So New Inc is part of New Museum. Uh, it opened about uh, three years ago now in New York, in the Lower East Side. In their, in their model, they uh, set up a space that is attached to the museum. It's not embedded in the museum. It's quite a separate space. They bring in a cohort of, um, I think it's about 25 um, different individuals or teams for a year-long embedded process of mentoring and kind of acceleration. So you come in with a particular concept and you are then supported through to develop that. We found that idea really attractive, but we had no way to um, resource or um, facilitate that. They have five staff working on that. Uh, it's under-resourced. They should have about eight, I think, doing it. Um, they had a massive amount of philanthropic support to create that, um, which, is, which is ongoing. And it has a different kind of integration into the institution itself. So there was a different kind of raison d'etre for, for why we began it, and I suppose, um, the, the inspiration of what they have done is part of why we applied for Launch Vic funding to do this smaller version of a kind of two months um, accelerator. But to be honest, we, at this point, we're not gonna be able to do something as grand. And uh, another one that was a big inspiration is the watershed in uh, Bristol. 
Uh, they have a really fantastic uh, digital lab there where they invite in teams, again, project-based, they're accelerated through to an idea in a very kind of startup model and they've delivered some absolutely fantastic projects. Uh, we're looking to collaborate with them. We're in active conversation. Down the track, we may be able to replicate it. That's not our primary focus now. Hi, thank you. Um, I have a question which comes from understanding more from architecture and office, and especially that collaborative space. So the question is actually, I was very interested to hear how it works in a funded and a philanthropic and art institution and the museum. Um, but going back to the ABC, what I'm really curious about is knowing the almost pathological resistance to that kind of collaboration and the business structures that inhibit that. If you were looking at it from a carte blanche and going back, seeing the ABC, for example, all those institutions for what they are, how would you imagine your experience with this actually um, facilitating or completely transforming a, a, a model like that? Well, funny you should ask, because... <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> funny you should ask. I mean, one of the... I mean, I, I referred somewhat obliquely to the, the challenge about being the bottom of the pile um, with arts in television. Um, so it's this funny thing where arts is part of the charter, but in terms of the sort of investment and energy around particular departments, it tends to be very focused on um, narrative fiction, narrative comedy and entertainment. Uh, documentaries further down, factual. Um, arts, which sort of sits across, anyway. Uh, so, my approach was to think very broadly and holistically across multiple platforms and how could we leverage arts in a bigger way. Uh, ABC had come under a lot of criticism about the lack of arts coverage, but if you measure the arts coverage that they do across every single platform, it's massive. In fact, we did measure it, and, and the arts coverage on the ABC reaches over two and a half million people per week. It's big. Um, so we flipped around the conversation to become cross-platform and, and multidisciplinary. When the funding cuts arrived, which was about 18 months after I got there, and they have been profound and terrible, um, the ABC was looking to save money. One of my recommendations was, as we were looking to shift, uh, to shrink the footprint of accommodation, so ABC is in a very expensive building that they own in Ultimo, could we look at shrinking the footprint and turning our, um, becoming a much more creative, uh, there's uh, so many offices in the ABC, like everyone's in a bloody office, it's like just strip it all out, shrink it, which they do want to do, but then what could you do with those floors in between? Well, you could invite the industry into the building and create co-working spaces. So I have to confess, I had already been thinking about that and lobbying for that in the ABC uh, in particular, talking to Peter Tullen, who runs the Remix Summit, he'd kind of come and he runs a co-working space in the UK. And so we'd been talking about that in the context of ABC Ultimo. And then I got the job at, the, at ACME and immediately it was like, well, we've got to do it, which is why it happened super fast. I arrived in February and we got approval from the board to do it in June and we had it, you know, open very quickly in museum time. <laughs> but it, it was super fast. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the ABC has such a massive 
massive challenge and you can't underestimate what it is like to be under the kind of constant level of political scrutiny that they are under. Uh, I was there during the period where there was about 10 months where every single day there, were, there was a minimum of eight anti-ABC articles in The Australian, 10 months. It was just constant. So it's such a political animal, it has very little room to move, to be nimble, to be inventive. And uh, I have to say here, arriving in Victoria right now, I arrived just after the new government had got in, in talking about these ideas, they were on eager ears. People were enthusiastic about it. We had a lot of government buy-in. People were up for it. I mean, most of what we've done has been through our core funding and we've seen that as a part of our responsibility to do this transformation and make these changes and engage with practitioners and change our workplace. So that's, that's been made through changes in our expenditure fundamentally, although we've had um, half a million dollars in terms of moving offices, um, which was a, a fraction of what we needed in terms of the total investment. Um, we are way more nimble than the ABC can ever be and uh, I don't envy them, I have to say. I think it's tough. And, and in a way, I mean, museums have this kind of fantastic luxury. I mean, the entire glam sector have this fantastic luxury of being so beloved. You know, the, the community cares. Even if they don't go, they care about it. Um, and we can kind of be what we are. We, you know, I, we don't have to change, we should but we could muddle on for another 20 years in the same model. Our audiences would slowly shrink. The ABC, you know, there are programs that I would have commissioned three years ago and put to air, which now would get half the audience that they got. I mean, it's that quick. So it's, it's a super tough environment in terms of all of those challenges of a genuinely transforming a, how many employees have they got? 5,000, something like that, maybe more? 6,000 employers across the country. And it is hard. I mean, I'm finding it hard. I've got 140 employees plus casuals and changing the environment to use these tools to leverage it to become this more conversational, more spontaneous, um, more creative workspace is not easy because people are used to doing things in a particular way. And it's not like they don't want to do it. They do. They love the idea. But you're used to working in a particular way. And to change that is fundamental. Just curious, I don't have an opinion about this, but I was wondering if you had a choice, would you have the workplace uh, co-located with the museum? Absolutely, yeah. definitely, yeah. 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 But I would have a co-working space in it. Yeah, yeah. so that it would be on show, us what the lab Well, it would have an adjacency and that would allow for different kinds of things to happen. You'd be, you know, those creative practitioners would be buying their coffee in the cafe in the morning and sitting around and connecting with audience in a more specific way. They connect with us, um, but they're not connecting with our public unless we set it up for them to do so. Yeah, I was gonna really ask a similar question because I, I was thinking about, you mentioned you know, the interdisciplinary institution and co-location and proximity. And if you think pr in pre-digital times, the Pompidou probably brings that together when you have like the museum and ERCAM, which is interestingly, you know, a centre for acoustic music research. Yes. Um, and then you have archives and you have library, but you also have the public 
and the image of the public moving through it, and, and it's also a building which is turned inside out. And, um, but you also now have you know, your distributed authorship and your distributed digital communities, and you know, how do you yeah, bring those two sort of both location-based and dispersed communities together or to impact mm. upon each other? Well, it, I mean, that's a huge challenge um, because just because you stick stuff online doesn't mean anyone's ever going to look. <laughs> and if a tree falls in the forest, no one sees it. Does anyone care? And um, we actually shut down, um, when I got there with the, the website that was there previously, there was something called Acme Channel, which had fantastic content, but ha I think just didn't have a kind of rich strategy in how audiences would engage with it. So there was all this beautiful content just sitting there unseen. We're now recycling a whole of that content into our ideas channel. We have an ideas channel. It's still, it's got more engagement, but it still doesn't have enough. And it's gonna require a big shift in our resourcing, in our staffing, in the way that, that we engage. But one of the things that's interesting that I, that I really like, again, this kind of new kind of thinking that um, I'm getting used to, uh, so the um, digital and experience team that I was talking about under Seb, he gets his team to uh, write about all the innovations that they're doing and just stick it up. So we've got a channel called Acme Labs, uh, which is just sort of an independent channel. And in there, they're talking about new projects, which are about working in new ways. I and mean, if you're interested in this, go and have a look at Acme Labs. It's really interesting. They're very articulate about what they do. So they've taken a particular project, say the website, or how they've implemented Slack in the organisation, or how they've done a new ticketing system, or whatever, and they talk about it in a very kind of conversational way. They share the code, or they share the process. It's very open, it's very transparent, it's quite generous. Um, it's something I never would have thought of doing. I was just like, who cares? So many people have got into it. So, so one of the things they did, they developed, developed some new tech for an audio guide for the Scorsese show. And they've made the tech that they created available. And so six, six other museums around the world are now using that as the basis of their audio guides across, I think, four different continents. And it's fantastic. It's so I, th I think it's about thinking in different ways and, and bringing people in who have these new kinds of disciplines. And I think we're particularly fortunate that we're able to have somebody at our executive level in SEB who is thinking in a, in a very unusual way. We're working with him is like just running to keep up all the time, which is quite exhilarating because they're working in concepts that you otherwise have not considered in my world. I mean, my arts experience is incredibly analog, even though we were doing projection and playing with technology. It's an incredibly kind of analog collaborative experience. So, um, yeah, so I would say it's a work in progress. Um, it's something that I think will never stop. And indeed, that's part of what's been embedded in our corporate strategy and the way that we're talking about our workplace. The website that arrived isn't finished. People, there is a feedback channel to talk about what's not working. The team is constantly iterating. And what we did was bring that iteration inside the organisation. So we have a full-time guy who works with code and is just a specialist in fixing digital stuff. And he's just changing things and finding solutions all the time. Um, and, and I think that's the, only, that's the way you have to do it. You've got to look to that expertise and find those people who are using those tools. It's not something that comes in a box and is static. 
it's constantly challenging and iterative and experimental and you're always prototyping and you're always thinking, that could work better. How do we fix it? That's right. Well, we're about to start this. We, you know, we've just got money to, from the government to do the first stage of our renewal. We're doing a big renewal program, and fundamental to that and to our ongoing philosophy as an institution is that we want audiences to see us as much about process and participation as viewing an end product. And fundamental to that is prototyping and active conversational prototyping, where the audience is contributing to the making or the development of work. And so we will be getting back to cardboard, which I love, because when I worked with Etc., my theatre company I worked with in my 20s, you know, it was all about getting out the, you know, the, the knife, cutting up the cardboard, sticking it together with contact cement and gaffer tape and painting it. We're going to be doing that again. So it isn't all digital. The prototyping process is often very physical and analogue, but the concept is one that's sitting at the moment very much in that kind of startup world, but actually spills out right across a broader philosophy. We had a big think tank yesterday about about an idea we have around an audience lab uh, and a kind of formal testing environment. One of the best things for me that came out of it was saying, well, prototyping and testing and experimenting isn't just about tech in a room. It's it has to be everything. It can be happening in the cafe, it can be happening in the foyer, it depends on, it can be a pitch session for somebody coming with a film idea. It can be, you know, like it's very broad and applicable across multiple levels and you've just got to try these out. Um, I have a bit more of a practical question for you maybe. <clears throat> Knowing that you've been really successful with uh, cross-disciplinary projects and that could sometime not be so easy, um, do you have any um, recommendations or any tips on um, how to overcome challenges that come with collaboration? Well, I, th I think matchmaking is super, super important. And I have to say, most times that, um, I mean, I haven't been making work now for 20 years, 23 years. Um, so I've been facilitating work, which has involved a lot of uh, enabling and in sometimes uh, in some cases kind of artificially inseminating bringing people together matchmaking however you want to say um, if people don't like each other it's a train wreck you know it, it's just you have to you have to have a connection and so that's as a creative producer I think that's one of the most fundamental skills how do you find people who have some kind of simpatico they can have utterly different disciplines, entirely different work processes, but they have to be open and they have to be generous and have to like each other. And then great things can happen, even when it gets complicated, you can navigate your way through. Um, we, we've been interviewing for a new position recently and um, talking about a, a kind of prototyping process and the guy <laughs> put up a slide that just said, don't work with assholes. And I think, I think that's a very good slide. Thank you. Do we have any more questions for Katrina? Well, thank you for your great and insightful talk. Thank you.